Thank you for tuning in to Pastor Brian Hallam's podcast series. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info. We hope you enjoy today's message. John chapter number 8. Everybody has that friend that is a real friend. Everybody has that friend that is a true friend. You know, the one that you can be in the same room with and you don't have to say anything, yet you're still okay being in each other's, being in each other's company. Everybody has that friend that, you know, you might fight like cats and dogs, but if anybody else were to disagree with them, you both would join up together like some kind of a WWF tag team duo and take care of business. That friend that in your life in the natural has stuck closer than a brother or a sister. The friend that knows so much about you that if they were to not be your friend anymore, it could cause some problems. The friend that you have that, that, that literally could, could just give you up at any moment but never would. That's a good friend. The friend... That when you're sitting in a restaurant, will tell you that you have something in your teeth. The friend that'll tell you if, you're miss, if you missed a button or if you got your shirt buttoned wrong or, or whatever. That's the kind of friend that we need because friends like that give two things. They give mercy, but they also bring truth. The Bible says that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you have your Bible and you're at John chapter number 8. The scripture says in verse 1, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Isn't it interesting that time and time again, Jesus goes and elevates himself. It never says Jesus went and rolled in the pit with the pigs. It never says that Jesus decided to go to the valley and reside there where it was lonely and dark and desolate. No, he was always going to a higher place. The Mount of Transfiguration where he was sitting there and Moses and Elijah showed up in spirit form and Peter, James and John saw it. He, he literally was elevating himself whenever he encountered this supernatural event. Jesus was always trying to get to a higher place and so ought we. Verse number two says, and in early... And early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Did you know Jesus went to church? Church ought to be a priority in your family's life. Because whether or not you tell your children how important God is to you, what they're doing is they're watching you all the time. So he goes down to the temple, the Bible says, and all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had her, set her in the midst. Meaning they, they put her at Jesus' feet. They put her at Jesus. And they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in the act of adultery. Was taken in adultery in the very act. Can I say this? She was guilty as charged. You and I have both been on both sides of that equation. We have had ought against somebody that had done something that we disapprove of, that maybe in holiness we decided, oh, I can't believe they would do this and tarnish the faith of God and all this other stuff. And we decided we were going to throw them at the mercy of somebody else. But the bottom line is they were guilty, but you still weren't right in throwing them down. Plenty of times we've been on the other side where we are literally guilty as sin. We are guilty as charged. And we are sitting there at the feet of Jesus trying to figure out what is this Messiah? What is this man? What is this son of God going to say and do to me? 
Time and time again, we find ourselves on both sides of the equation. But time and time again, we find out that his mercies are new every morning. The Bible says in verse number five, now Moses, this is the scribes and the Pharisees speaking. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? What do you say, Jesus? This they said, tempting him that they might have ought to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Here's my favorite part. As though he heard them not. Did you know if you would get good? At acting like you don't hear the people trying to put filth on the inside of you. Your life would go from glory to glory. Literally begin to elevate. If you could begin to take spiritual Q-tips and clean your ears out. And spiritual cotton and put it in your ears and protect your ears. And when you hear the enemy come in and say your children will never be what they ought to be. Just act like you don't hear them. If you can get good at just going away from the norm and pushing towards the things of God in the face of adversity. You see, everybody's good at living for God when the Spirit is moving like it is here at New Heights Church. At New Heights Church. Everybody's good at living for God when you feel the chill bumps and the goosebumps or whatever you want to call it. And you feel like God's fixing to walk in the room. Everybody's good at living for God. But the hard time to live for God is whenever you have been caught in the very act again and your accusers are at your door saying you are not a Christian you are not what you say you are you have missed it again you said you were going to fast for 21 days and 30 minutes into the fast you had an egg McMuffin you said you were going to do this you said you'd never do that again and here you are doing it again You have to remind yourself that God's mercies really are new every morning. He's not here to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen to me. There is no license to sin under the blood of Jesus. It does not exist. But at the exact same time, there is no limit to the blood of Jesus either. When you, his child, recognize that you are in the wrong, it is your responsibility to do an about face, turn around and get back on track with God. He's faithful and just to forgive those who confess their sins to him. But at the same time, your accusers are not going to tell you that. Your accusers are going to tell you, look what I caught him doing. Look what this, look what that, look what the other. And all the time, you just have to remember that the enemy of God, the Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And you and I, the blood-bought, born-again people of God, ought never speak on his behalf. Don't you ever speak for your enemy. When you have to go to court, one of the first things they want you to do is to get an attorney. And if you cannot afford an attorney, one will be given to you. Uh, one will be supplied to you. And you get that attorney, and that attorney is going to tell you, if you can't say something good, keep your mouth shut. That guy over there, or that gal over there, she's going to be saying every negative thing about you. And I'm here to defend you. The Bible says we have one mediator between God and man. And that is the man, Christ Jesus, who constantly is making intercession for you and me. So you have the enemy who's the accuser of the brethren. And then you've got Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who's constantly making intercession for us. When you speak, speak what he speaks. When you speak, say what he says. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Listen to me. 
The sins you had before you got saved were washed in the blood. And the sins that you confess to God and you repent from are washed in the blood. Listen to me. God did not save you to throw you away. God saved you to guide you, to lead you, to protect you. And what the enemy wants you to do is for you to get so self-centered and self-focused that you're worried so much about your own life that the person standing next to you who never heard the gospel the way it was supposed to be won't hear it because you're so thinking about yourself instead of pouring the water of the word that you are overflowing with into them. We're walking around with these great containers bursting full of richness and joy and mercy, joy unspeakable, refreshing waters of God, and there's a dying, bleeding, lost humanity all around us, and we're sitting here going, well, did I do this? Did I not do this? I heard this. I heard that. Instead of going, Jesus Christ loves you. I'm not perfect, but He loves me too. I find it so interesting. The Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem and the Bible says that he was brought to the temple steps and he began to get questioned about who he is and they they were just threatening him on every different direction and his one knee-jerk response says, let me tell you what he did for me. I was this guy, now I'm this guy. I was this way, now I'm that way. This is what Jesus does. He takes you and He changes you and He equips you with something. When you don't have the Bible memorized, you know your testimony better than anybody else. And the Bible says that we overcome two ways, two ingredients in the recipe of overcoming. The blood of the Lamb and the Word. Come on, somebody. And the Word of our testimony. So as we go through this life, whether we find ourselves and we come to ourselves and say, Wow. I'm the accuser. Or we find ourselves laying in the dirt, realizing I've missed it again. Number one, the righteous fall a thousand times, but they get back up. And number two, if you have ought against your brother, get it right. Because here's the thing. The Bible says God can't even hear your prayers until you do. Continuing on, the Scripture says, uh, uh, verse 7 says, So when they continued asking him, meaning he was basically ignoring, drawing, drawing in the sand, he lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. Interestingly enough, there's one person in the whole equation who could have thrown the rock. There's one person in the whole equation who could have thrown that first stone, and that was the guy who just before was drawing in the sand. He says to these guys, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. And that ought to be the very first check in your life when somebody begins speaking to you about a Christian brother or sister, or about a Christian brother or sister, or even somebody that doesn't know the Lord, and they begin to run them in the ground and talk negative about them and, and talk a whole bunch of nonsense and all this other stuff. You just ought to be thinking, wait a minute, he forgave my sin, why would he not forgive their sin? You know one of the quickest ways to shut down gossip is when somebody comes in and say, Have you heard about so-and-so? Yeah, I sure did. Grab their hand and just start praying right there. Lord, bless them in the name of Jesus. They'll learn you're the wrong person to to gossip with. (laughs) The Scripture continues and says, And he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, there's a lot of different theories about what Jesus wrote on the ground. And to be honest with you, I'm not certain what he wrote there. But I know the prophet Jeremiah said this in chapter number 17. It says uh, he would write down those who would depart from me written in the earth. 
He would write down in the earth the people who would depart from him. So it's very possible, and there's a lot of theories that believe this. There's a lot of theologians that believe this. That Jesus stooped down and began to write the names of the accusers of the young lady who was caught in adultery in the earth. And the Bible says that when they heard, when they saw this, the Bible says that they which heard it being convicted in their own conscience, verse 9, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest. Isn't it interesting that when you're young, you'll say and do anything? I saw, I heard a joke the other day. It said, um, uh, boy, we better hire a teenager quick while they know everything. Because so oftentimes when we're young, including when we're young in the Lord, we're so full of vigor and we're so full of passion, but we haven't quite learned how to harness different things. The Bible says that a horse is controlled with just a little piece of metal, a bit in his mouth. And you can literally steer that horse any way you want. And it's the same with us. If we can just control our mouth, we can control our whole life. But along the way, we find out that it's different when we live for God. We're no longer called to be the kind of person that sits there and judges everybody else. Nor are we called to be the kind of person that when we're in judgment, we just allow it to continue to get in us and to marinate and all this other stuff. But we act like we don't even hear it. It's the way you get a breakthrough with God. But it's interesting to me that it was the older people who went first. We need, how to say this properly, we need people who didn't start living for God yesterday to be what God's called them to be, which is somebody who disciples people who just started living for God yesterday. If you just came to God, you need to find somebody that you can relate to, that you can connect with. Listen, you don't have to both play golf. You don't have to go, both go bowling. You don't have to both like uh, uh, dove hunting or, or, or whatever you like to do. You don't, if you're ladies, you don't have to both like shopping or baking or, or running business, whatever. But what you need is somebody who you will allow to speak truth in your life. You need to make sure that that person has your best interest in heart. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who are just overflowing with information and with compassion and life experiences. See, it's, it's this way. You can't learn anything except by your own personal experience or by somebody else's. Meaning, if I go and touch the stove and it's hot and it burns my hand, I have learned personally that the stove is hot. But if somebody else writes a book and says, if you touch a stove, it will burn your hand, and I read the book, I have then learned from their experience, and I don't have to go through the negativity of burning my own hand to realize I shouldn't touch the stove. Does that make sense? There's plenty of people in this church that you can become friends with, that you can become covenant friends with, that can help lead you in the right directions. Mothers, you ought to be finding those young ladies who are fixing to get married, just got married, looking for the right husband or whatever, and begin to speak into into their life, life and truth, and say, let me tell you, here's what the bachelorette says, but let me tell you what the B-I-B-L-E says. Guys, you ought to find some young men, the younger the better, and get in their life in a place where you can say, listen to me, you aren't called to be a boy your whole life. You are called to be a man, and you are called to live for God. And the Bible says that you're going to be the head of a household. And when you become the head of that household, you don't have time to prepare for it, so your time for preparation is right now. Find somebody, young people, 
that you can talk to, that you can call on the phone with a question in confidence. If you're that other side of the equation, be walking around looking, believing God that He's going to give somebody to you that you can pour into. Because the Bible says it this way, that when you pour out, He'll pour into you. It's just the way it is with Scripture. So verse number 9 continues, says, Beginning at the eldest, they were walking away, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw no one but the woman, verse 10, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Has no man condemned you? You'll find, if you're willing to resist the devil, he will flee. And you'll look up and you'll say, where did he go? And you'll find out, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, in the hottest place you can experience, Jesus is there. In the hardest place you can experience, Jesus is there. So many times in my life, Crystal and I were praying through something, literally going, what should we do, Lord, A or B, A or B? And it's like, you know, heaven closed for the weekend or something. I don't know. No answer. And we finally get to the place where we have to make a decision. And we make a decision. And without question, when we look back, we can see the hand of God was in the situation. But sometimes in the midst of it, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they looked at the furnace, it didn't say, they saw Jesus in there, so they jumped in gladly. They were thrown in the fire and only found out once in, the, once in the middle of it, that he was there. So she found herself all alone. The accusers had left, and Jesus was there. And here's what he says in verse 11. She said to him, she said, There's no man, Lord. No man condemns me. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That's good news, no matter how you look at it. That's good news, no matter which side of the coin you're on, that Jesus didn't come to condemn you. Because unfortunately, the Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, except my mom, Candy. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's our responsibility and it's our opportunity because of the Word of God to understand how Jesus functions and how Jesus operates. If you want to know what God is like, you can look at the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If you want to know what Jesus would say in a situation, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want to see what Jesus would do if He walked into these doors right now, you find a representation in the Scripture and then you compare it to that because He does not change. Another story, the Bible says in uh, uh, John chapter number 5, that there was a certain man by the pool of a place called Bethesda. And he was, he was impotent. He, he was lame. He couldn't, he couldn't walk. He, he was crippled. And, and he, he, said, he said, Jesus came up to him and he, says, he said, Will you be made whole? And the man laying there, the certain man, You see, Jesus cares about you enough that He doesn't just call you somebody. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I can just see Jesus, I can picture His mind going, I can't wait to get to the pool of Bethesda where that certain man lays who wants to be healed. 
So the scripture says, he comes to the certain man, he says, will you be made whole? The man says something very interesting. He says, I have no man. That's true. There is not a human that can heal you. I cannot heal you. There is not a human that can help you. When it comes to spiritual things, they can guide you, they can aid you. But it's the Spirit of God ushered in after the resurrection of Jesus that can reside in somebody that will give you the aid that you need. So he says, will you be made whole? The man says, I have no man. And Jesus says to him simply, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus says the same thing to me and you today. Be healed. Get up. I'm not saying it's fair that somebody said that to you or did that to you. Or the bank did this. Or the, or the, or the, the job did that. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you to get up anyway. By faith. Get up. Interestingly enough, he said, take up your bed and walk. Now, it was the Sabbath. And, and Hebrews, they weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. They weren't supposed to carry beds around. They weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. So when Jesus says that to him, he says, take up your bed and walk, which is to say, carry your testimony with you. You never know when you're going to need it. This man didn't realize on the Sabbath it's okay to testify about the goodness of God. And you and me, we never know when we're going to get an opportunity to testify of God's goodness. Time and time again, it's the craziest places. I'm getting my oil changed or I'm at a restaurant or, or, or I'm, I'm doing some other form of business and just the opportunity to share my testimony emerges. Let me tell you how I do it. I look for it like I'm looking for something under a rock. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to receive? God, are you putting them in my life? God, are you directing me to them? Because I, I'll knee-jerk that testimony. I'm ready by faith. I'm ready to deliver by faith. So he says, get up, be healed, rise. Take up your bed, carry your testimony with you. Then he said this, something the man hadn't done in a very long time. Walk. You and me are called to take the gospel all around this world. But we can sure start with the Brazos Valley. We ought to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. The Bible says it this way. Many are called. Few are chosen. God saw something in Saul, the Pharisee of Pharisees, who was killing Christians, who literally held the coats of those who stoned the great martyr Stephen. He saw something in him. He saw a level of dedication and faith in what he believed. And he says, that is somebody I can use. My grandfather went to be with the Lord in 2013 on Pentecost Sunday. And one time, when he was very young in the Lord, he read the scripture, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, he just read, blessed are the poor. And he was the furthest thing from wealthy. Seven children. Uh, 
just, you know how it is. Small town, country people. And he, he did this, very interesting. When he read that scripture, he went and took some tar and painted it over anything that was chrome on his vehicles because he wanted to look poor. Because he read, blessed are the poor. Now, that's kind of silly to you and me because we have a revelation. But God looks down from heaven and says, whoa, that is a guy that I can use. Because even in the face of ridicule, because if you paint your car with tar, come on somebody, somebody's going to say something to you. That is somebody committed to my kingdom. Later on, of course, he stopped painting his cars with tar. Never compromised. Preached the gospel right up till his last, last breath. Begat sons and daughters that all live for God. Grandchildren that live for God. Great-grandchildren that live for God. Same thing with Paul, though. You see, God wasn't pleased that Paul was killing Christians and talking against Jesus. But anytime you see somebody that has a commitment level this high, if you can just get them directed in the right direction, man, they'll tear down the gates of hell. And you and I will be trying to catch up with them. So many times we look at our situation and we say, I did it again. And you start to speak for the enemy. Well, here's the deal. Jesus always comes with two things. He comes with mercy and He comes with truth. Fortunately, He delivers truth in the dosage that you can handle because He's not going to put something on you that you can't handle. So this guy who was healed, the Bible says that Jesus comes and finds him in the temple. Now, isn't that something? Somebody that God touched made church a priority. So he goes to the temple. And he's all happy. And Jesus says, you are made whole, man. Way to go. But then he said exactly what he said to the woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. I don't want to speak about any other place that's teaching anything else. But you hear things. I'm not talking about in this region now. I'm just talking about in the body of Christ as a whole. But you hear things. You hear ideas that Jesus died, His blood is sufficient, so we can live whatever life we want. Listen to me. That's nonsense. Jesus comes with mercy. If you want to go to the feet of Jesus, you will get mercy. There is no question. But you will also get truth. And He will tell you when you're ready. Go and sin no more. Can you stand to your feet, please? Thank you for listening. For more information on Pastor Brian and New Heights Church, please visit www.newheightschurch.info.